Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And we want to uh, introduce you today to a very fast-growing concept, counter service concept, all about the baked potato, Mr. Mario Johnson. Mario, welcome to Corner Booth. How you doing? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey, Mario, um, Oh, if anybody's been listening to this for any length of time, they always know my first question is to find out, you know, how you got into the the restaurant business, the food business, you know, your background, because to me, that's the most fascinating part. You know, we're talking to a person, somebody who's put it on the line and to to make something special and to grow a business. So can you kind of walk us through your path to how you got to where you are right now in the restaurant business? Okay, so what happened was back in 2011, I had got we we I was um a um, cleaning supervisor, so we lost a contract with this company, and so one day I was going into the barber shop, which I'm always at, and it was a <laughs> restaurant next door to it. So the restaurant had a police sign in it, and I was like, "Wow, a restaurant!" So I called the number, got the information. And said, hey, I want to try to open up a restaurant. Now, I never had any restaurant experience or anything. So I named, I said, what would you call it? I got input from my family. What would you call it? My name is Mario Johnson. So my sister said, why don't you call it Mojo's? <laughs> so then we um, we said, okay, well, we got to have a concept. And so our concept used to be the um, our, um, the inside out burgers with the, um, the stuffing in the inside of the burgers. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it started as Mojo's because I was from Detroit. The name of the restaurant before it was called the Sleepy Potatoes was called Mojo's Motown Eatery. So um, I have been doing that for about two years there. Then I moved to Atlanta. Um, so I've been in Atlanta for the last 13 years um, doing the business as a sleepy as operating a business. Um, so when I got here to Atlanta, I still kept the name Mojo's Motown Eatery. Um, so then my chef at the time introduced us to this potato. And it was a big potato. So that's a concept that they have in Detroit. So in Detroit, my concept was almost on the line of American Deli. Have you ever heard of that? It was mm-hmm. sure. And so I had to do something different or whatever. So we introduced the potato. So I did it for a couple of years um, as Mojo's Motown Eatery. And I said, hey, I had to um, stand out a little bit. And because it's so many wing restaurants here, I was considered a wing restaurant and came up with the, um, the name, the Sleepy Potato. At the, at the time, uh, uh, my graphic designer actually gave me the name, the Sleepy Potato. Mm-hmm. So here today, I'm here today. So I see. So it started by taking what was an inside outside burger concept. You moved yes. another city. You yes. added sort of a stuffed potato option to the menu. Yes. And it just kind of grew from there. Yes, it did. Because at the time, it was only one restaurant here in Georgia that did that. And it was in it was a Lovejoy or somewhere. So it was a little far out. And everybody will always say, hey, it's this restaurant that do this. So at the time, I only started out with one potato. I used to do the chicken and broccoli potato. So that's the only potato that we did. So now we have almost like 16, 17 different potatoes. Fowls. 
Okay. And so the, the, the heart of the concept is our potatoes. Are there other things like sides and other menu yes. items that are part of this? So, yes, they are. So you can get the loaded potatoes. We do have a full service menu. Of course, we have wings, burgers, fish, chicken. So mm-hmm. we do have a full menu at, at the locations. Oh, okay. Um, the, um, the, the, um, the signature um, sleepy potato, the potatoes is what get the people to come in. And that's the signature of the restaurant. But everybody don't eat a potato every day. So right. <laughs> that's why we have other, other items on the menu. Yeah. Can you paint us a little picture of one of your locations? Uh, is it counter service, full service? How large is it? Is it continuous service or do you do separate things for lunch and dinner? They're almost carry out style. Initially, when I started out, I started out as a, um, a full service restaurant. And then that particular restaurant, I ended up moving from that restaurant to which would have been my second location. Um, but it was called it was doing COVID. So when COVID started, we was doing a, a carryout concept. Now, remember when COVID started, that's how the restaurants that were surviving was surviving because they were the carryout style restaurants because the sit down restaurants didn't work. So I decided to keep it with the, um, the counter style restaurants, as you call it, and do mm-hmm. more carryout style. Of course, we always allow like maybe 10 seatings in all the restaurants and we do have a counter um, so you can always sit in there and eat if you like, but it's more of a carryout style. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, the impact of COVID and of course everyone that's been on corner booth has always talked a little bit about that and how growth during COVID happened to their particular company. Uh, you, as I understand it, just started this potato version of the concept like in 2018 or 19. Is that correct? Right before COVID? And no. It's not- oh. It's, it, start, it started in 2016. So I had um, the original Stevie Potato, which was at the Greenbrier Mall, that started in 2017. Um, so we went at, after that. When did COVID start? I'm sorry. I'm bad with my dates. 2000, into 2019, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I was on my second location and um, COVID had just came in. So I had the sleepy potato for about a couple of years um, before COVID started, but I only had like one location. And then as I understand it, you, you have grown from that one or say two and by 2019 to six. Yes. Well, I have five physical locations and a food truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's four locations here in Georgia. And then there is one location in Detroit, which I'm originally from. So I took it back home. <laughs> wow. Took it back home to Detroit. How's the Detroit location working out? It, it's, 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 it's really, really growing. And it's, um, we still have the, um, it's a couple of concepts there now besides the one that originally came from. So it's like two other different style potato restaurants, but mm-hmm. it's really, really doing good. Everybody say we're the best there out of all the potatoes there. So how do you differentiate? I mean, you know, I like potatoes, a uh-huh. big potato is a great potato, but and I can imagine putting things on it. But I, I also can imagine that you cook potato, right. And you put things on it. It what makes your, what makes your special. Um, the love that's put into it. And then also the ingredients, um, we have well-seasoned food. So Mm -hmm. we do, um, lamb, um, we do, um, shrimp. You can get it basically loaded with anything. Uh, So all our toppings are grilled. 
Mm-hmm. So you actually have a hot, hot baked potato. So the potatoes are hot with the butter and the cheese and the seasonings on it. And then all the toppings that go on top of the potato, they're all grilled. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I've seen a concept where they have the potato and they're kind of like, kind of like be like a little cold, like they had a chives and things like that. But all yeah. of our like grilled um, to put on a potato and they top with cheese. And then you have your big sour cream on the side. Mm-hmm. What size potato uh, do you work with, you know, that actually can make a meal? It's a whole meal. I don't know if you've seen any of them, if you looked at the um, the website or anything like that, but this may be like a, it's a big potato because we, we size the potato so that they can all be the same size or whatever. So we actually roll and make the potato. So they come in full already sized. So it's probably about a 10 ounce potato. Mm-hmm. Plus the toppings that go on. It did. It, it did. It looked big. So you, you're so you're specifying an extra large potato. You're making it a meal by putting grilled toppings and other things in it and cheese. Well, yes. What's the price range for these potatoes? They range anywhere from thirteen ninety five, and the largest one goes uh, like a uh, surf and turf potato. It's like twenty two ninety five. But then even the toppings that come on them, they always add shrimp and they add shrimp to like every potato, you know, besides the seafood potato. Mm-hmm. So you can walk out of there with a $30, $40 potato. We done seen somebody that have $50 potatoes because they oh. add all these different <laughs> toppings. On it. And be like, wow. And they be like, they love it. It seems like a profitable concept, though. I mean, I don't know what potatoes cost right now. And I know, you know, supply chain issues are always hanging everybody's head. I don't know if that has affected the potato market that much, but it seems like you get a pretty good margin on each, um, I'm guessing, on each uh, sale. Yeah, it it, it is. It is is very, very profitable. The way you can kind of like get away from not being profitable is um, portion control. Um, mm-hmm. I try to stay on them about portion control because it is a, a very good uh, margin um, for the potatoes. But the, mar- the the potatoes have kind of like doubled the price on what I used to pay for them, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe even just at the beginning of the year, they done kind of like double. So it's kind of like a little potato shortage, as they say. So yeah. potatoes are basically actually double right now. But even with that, are they all profitable? Are they all are they all kind of Idaho white potatoes or do you have russet? You know, yeah, russet. Potatoes. Russets. So yeah. do you don't have like sweet potatoes or other type of potatoes? No, um, no um, I've been asked that, but it hasn't been a demand for that. Like where they mm-hmm. say, "Hey, do you do sweet potatoes?" Every once in a while, somebody asks for that or whatever, but it's, right. it hasn't been a demand for right. sweet potato style yet. Gotcha. So what was the big challenge? What were the biggest challenges uh, other than COVID? Obviously, that's that brings its own set of issues. But in terms of, you know, you, you went from a situation where you were, you know, you were you lost a contract, you're working, you were doing something else. You said, listen, I think I'd like to be in the restaurant business. You went ahead and you made it happen. Um, but that's, you know, it's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. What were the what you know what what were the challenges that you encountered as a new operator, not only in the startup but in the growth phase, and and uh, what did you what did you do or what did you learn to kind of get past them? Basically, remember I said I didn't know how to do anything, so I mm. I had always like, hey, I'm a higher chef, I'm a higher, but people wasn't always dependable. So what I did <laughs> is that I had to end up like coming out of you know being on the outside and being the owner and then i actually got involved in the restaurant and so 
I remember the particular day where I said that this would never happen to me. My family was coming down to Atlanta and they were coming all to my restaurant. And this particular day, the staff was like so tired because we had been running seven days. They was like, I ain't working. So <laughs> I literally had to shut my restaurant down this Sunday on the day that all oh, was man. coming down here and stuff like that. So it kind of like made it seem like that we just was in a restaurant and my aunts and them went in the kitchen and cooked. So they didn't know anything. <laughs> but I said, and I made up my mind that this will never happen to me again. So I basically right. began to be hands-on in my restaurant. I think the, the challenges that I've survived as long as I have, I don't work in the restaurants anymore, but I think I survived as long as I did because I always was able to show up at my restaurant when nobody else could. Mm -hmm. And that's very important to know your business and to know what you're doing. So therefore, everybody that, that is working, you should know what they should know what you're doing and you know what they're doing. So. I know that they should know how to do this or the minutes, the timing that it takes. So I think that's what kept me um, survive a lot of the restaurant because I was able to do everything by myself, mm -hmm. not by myself. I know how to do everything. And I was able to work every position in my restaurant. And so that was something that I learned. And then I also learned from the cook. So immediately I wasn't mad. But the, the, my main cook uh, chef ended up um, departing and moving back to Detroit. But I just watched him and I always keep his same recipe. The way it is now is the way that I still do it now all these years. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as Chris, it sounds like Amari has got um, systems in place. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just made a note of that, you know, for somebody who, um, as you might even, you know, agree, sort of stumbled into it, didn't know, hired yeah. people, relied on people. The circle closed very quickly for you because you said a couple of key things. You needed to become self-taught because you needed to become yeah. hands-on. Mm -hmm. You needed to watch what was going on and you needed to know every position. But then yeah. you have respect for how things had been done and you want to keep them just that way. Well, to Barry's point, that's pretty much the definition of a system. If yeah. you're going to be consistent and yeah. make sure that every Everybody does things the same way. Um, and so, yeah, I compliment you on that because I'll tell you, that's hard to do. Yeah, It's hard to do in one unit, uh, but then you added, you know, three more in Atlanta and then one in Detroit. So to make sure that you're handling product the same and people the same when you're in multi-unit and also in multiple cities yes. is kind of tough. How is that working for you? Well, in the Detroit, in the Detroit location, my brother was in uh, who, who runs that location. He was able to come down there. And then I also went there and I spent some time there and I was able to show him how it was done. So we basically just kind of like keep it how it was. It's not really, really hard. Just like do it just like this. That's how I am. Just keep it just like this. I try to buy the same food. I try to buy the same brands. I try to do um, everything the same as here. A lot of times I do a lot of quality control. Uh, um, hey, let me see how you make a potato. A lot of times the people that was working in the restaurant then doesn't work there now. So you got I got one person that has been there from the beginning. So he's always doing a training. So just maybe like a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of like getting off. And I specifically like say, hey, I'm going to come in because I, I'm going to come back in and I'm going to train you myself. If we had a session with all the cooks this is to start cooking. I wanted to show them. 
Now, maybe the main cook know, but I know how it's supposed to be. So I want you to know, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. And then I was also getting, oh, well, I thought you did this. No, this is the way it go, you know. And it wasn't, you know, nothing drastic, but, you know, just that system, trying to keep that same system in place because that would work for me. Mm-hmm. What is the other components? Um, I mean, it sounds like the baked potato is the main thing, but you said you did keep burgers and wings. Do you also have specialty beverages? Do you offer beer? Oh, my God. You would not believe what our specialty beverage is. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Like I real Kool-Aid with a like li- like like with the real, with the little li- smiley guy on the, the real Kool-Aid <laughs> that we make it from the packages. It's like a recipe that all the stores have. Like we make it by a recipe, literally from the package. You know how you can go and buy those Kool-Aids? They got the sugar and the powder in it already. Yeah, yeah, sure, right. Like literally, we know how many packets to put in, how much sugar and everything is down to a science. And when I had, when I tell you, it has been the specialty of the restaurant because especially coming from up north and coming to down south, you know, they specialize in sweet tea. Right. So Kool-Aid and they'd be so like Kool-Aid and it'd be so funny when they, um, when we say that our specialty drink is Kool-Aid, of course, when you're in Atlanta, you have your Coke products, but I have Kool-Aid as a specialty on the menu has really, 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 really worked for me as a specialty. That's um, wild. Different and flavors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you do different flavors? Do you mix and create yes. unique well, flavors? Of, of course, it's kind of like been a shortage in Kool-Aid lately. So now you can't find it as much now. So I we kind of like have to, but I used to always just keep, which is the tropical punch, or which they call red or grape and always lemonade. So I always try to keep two or three flavors on deck, but sometimes they always mix them. And when they mix them, they call them the suicide. <laughs> Can you buy it in bulk? I mean, or do you have to get in little packages? When I do, I buy the whole cartons instead of the packages. So I know how many to buy. I always just buy the cartons. When I come across them, and everybody, it's like everybody in the store, like I'll go to some stores just for Kool-Aid and sugar. And when I get up there, they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you about to do with that? <laughs> and like, this is, I say I make Kool-Aid. And they be like, Kool-Aid. And so it, it, it'd be really, really something to know that that's the specialty drink. That's you know, wild. I think it is. It is. It's wild. But it, it, it has it, worked. It has worked for me. I remember um, back in Detroit when I first introduced it to the menu, because in Detroit it was a cool thing, but um, I didn't make any. And we would just, Fago was a product, a popular Fago. So we just had our Fago products and I didn't add, I didn't put them, I had it on the menu, but we didn't quite set it off yet. When I tell you everybody kept coming in, they kept saying, where's the, where's the Kool-Aid? I see you're supposed to have Kool-Aid. And so when I finally put it on, on, on the on the menu, people actually come to the restaurant just for a Kool-Aid. <laughs> Sometimes they'll come and just get a Kool-Aid. Wow. That, I that. like I like the uh idea of mixing and you call it the suicide when suicide, you mix yeah. Yeah. They call it the suicide. A couple of people call it different things, but the main thing is that when they mix the drink, they was like, could you suicide it? Yeah. So yeah, they call it suicide. <laughs> Okay, so we've got some really good, interesting grilled potatoes. Uh, we've got specialty beverages. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you decided the locations? Because you grew. So were these specific locations that you that you found and you built out originally? Or were these locations that were maybe something else that you went in and then converted? 
Well, all the restaurants that I always, I'm always looking, always looking. So outside of the restaurants, I have club. So I'm doing a lot of a lot of things besides the restaurant. But I, I'm always looking, looking, looking. So driving and I find, I always call them the diamond and the roughs. They always have been second generation restaurants, meaning that they kind of like always have the hoods in them. So I don't touch restaurants that don't have the hood in them already. So when they have the hood system, I always go after those style restaurants. Now, the decor of the restaurants, I, I basically change those out. Those are the easy parts. So now, um, I don't know if you was able to look on the Instagram or online. All the locations are identical. They all look the same. They're not built out the same, but they basically all are wrapped in the same concept. So you know that when you're at this restaurant, you are at the original Sleepy Potato. Gotcha. So second generation makes sense. You know, Barry, we hear that a lot. The the yeah. last few people we've talked to uh, that have expanded rapidly, gone from like two, three, four in the last couple of years through COVID, it was partially that. They they saw that there were closed locations yes. uh, that would have worked for them, and they went in and turned them around. And the, the electrical issues, I mean, the equipment you need, you can't have on regular household circuits. So to have yes. all that set up and ready to go, it, it, yes. makes, it just makes all the sense in the world. You got a kitchen. Um, and I guess you don't need that many square feet, do you, Mario, to, uh, to no, run? No, all, all the restaurants are maybe from 1,000 to 1,500 square feet because they basically are carry-out style restaurants. Yeah. That, yeah. So those are the locations that work for me. I, I never... I. I didn't, I, I didn't want the sit down style type dining style. Yeah. And a small yeah. footprint. I mean, then you're saving money on your rent factor yeah. and keeping stuff. You have to there. have, you have to have waiters and waitresses and things like that or whatever. So just the counter service, just, it just, it works for me. And I think that's how come I have um, gr um, grew as fast as because I just offer a carry out style. Uh huh. Yeah. Does that mean everything is served disposable or do you still yes. have? It is. Okay. That's what I thought. Everything is served disposable. Everything is served disposable. Now, if you would like to sit in the restaurant because we have tables and chairs in there, you are allowed to sit in there and eat your mm -hmm. food. Sure. But yeah, we don't, we don't serve it as, um, as, um, option of, um, dining or carry out. It's all carry out. Mm -hmm. So you got, you're, you're in Atlanta, you've got a unit in Detroit. Um, what are you thinking in terms of expansion, uh, uh, building? D Atlanta's a big market. You got a lot of places to go in Atlanta. Detroit's not small, and it's a good no, food town. What, what are you thinking about sticking in those two markets? Are you thinking about uh, maybe adding another market in the southeast or even up in uh, you know the Midwest? Okay, so um, I don't know if Lamont told you about the um, the trademark issue that I'm going through. No, what's going on there? Okay. If you so, can talk about it, I mean, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, to answer that question, I basically um, try to um, be hands-on with my businesses. So I don't want to grow too fast because uh, right now we're dealing with the, um, the the trademark issue as far as because when I first originally started the, um, the Sleepy Potato, um, a family member um, invested in the restaurant with me and we went apart and it's been like kind of like hell since then so that's the reason why there's the original steepy potato which is my locations and we have five locations mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they have one location and so i kind of like 
am waiting for this because we're still in court about a lot of things about the trademark. So that's why I kind of like put the original on mine. So that's what I will say that to every person um, to trademark your name, it, it doesn't cost because they basically stole it from me because I didn't trademark it. I never, yeah. I never even trademarked Mojo's Motown Eatery because. Well, this I is not this is not for you, Mara. This is for our listeners. But yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a, a hospitality lawyer, yeah. so just here's a here Mario is giving you a great lesson. You need to go <laughs> eat potatoes at his place every day because he has just taught you something that you need to know. When you start your business, you need to get that red trademark registration, get it started with the United States Patent and Trademark Office because they you can find out if anybody else had any claims on it and you can start getting ownership of it. Because boy, yeah. once you get down the line with that brand recognition, it's really expensive to yeah. lose that. So thank you, Mario, for sharing that because that is yes. an important lesson. I have probably spent about $30,000 in lawyer fees um, trying to go after my name because it was initially and, and all it costs it, it's under a thousand dollars sure to just, to just get that information into trade market it costs more to fight for it than it costs to even get so that what i will always say if you think you're gonna be big or want to be big or just to just have it and trademark your logo please everybody please do right. that because your friend could be mad at you and trademark that logo and it could be theirs so yeah. so now I'm going through, like you said, the lawyer part of yeah. um, going and, and trying to fight to let them know, hey, this is mine. It's like it mm -hmm. was originally mine, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going through that now. So please, listeners, please, 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 I'm begging. <laughs> well, good luck with that, Mario. Best of luck to you. Hopefully you get some common law rights there and you yeah. can concentrate on bigger and better things and having to fight for your trademark. Yeah, and so that's the thing that I kind of like, stop being so involved in that and i just kind of like just continue to grow because at one particular time it was getting to me but i just said hey this is what i gotta do and so I all i'm doing is just using that energy is just to continue to grow my business of course i i, I have people calling me all the time they want to give me the money today they want this concept they want to be in dc i got a guy that um, wants to open up one in dc in baltimore i got somebody that wants to open up one in charlotte I got um, somebody that wants to open up in um, Dallas. They want to mm -hmm. do the food truck thing because they was like the potato concept there. They don't really have it like you specialize in it. So I have all these people at me. They want to do it, but I don't want to get into that. So I got to get my trademark issue together first. Once you do get past that, is is franchising something that you're entertaining or do you want to maintain um, corporate control over everything and, and just have uh, you having ownership, uh, uh, not not turning it over operations to a franchisee, but but, you know, you just hiring people or, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I guess if somebody wants to open something and, and have some kind of ownership interest in it, I, it sounds to me they're asking for you to to give them a franchise yeah and so i have i have one location that is a um a partnership which is the mm -hmm. candler location so sure that location um is my only one but i i have a corporate office also so i mm -hmm. would love to be able to keep it corporate right now sure gotcha yeah yeah so can we talk a little bit more of, of the success of the operation? Counter service, small, I get it. Same menu, cool, cool specialty drinks. But what's the percentage of your revenue that is in carry out to go versus, 
you know, the percentage that's actually bought and stay in? Um, dining. Carryout style, you don't have to have as much staff. When you do the dining, you have to have um, your labor costs go up a little bit more um, because you have to more have more people on staff, especially to um, um, have the to, to, to control the capacity of the size of your restaurant. So that's why I just always just kind of like stick to um, smaller, smaller locations. So um, the percentage is, um, I don't have, I don't have an actual number for that right now, but it's, it's low. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Now I would assume that, but, but what isn't low though, is your per person check average. That's just amazing to me yeah. that, that people are spending a menu of what, 1395, you said to anywhere from 23, 24 or more per mm-hmm. person on making a baked potato into a meal. Listen, I have been at the register so many times and have really been clicking the numbers and, hey, I want to add shrimp. And then can you add extra? So, you know, you add all this. Oh, that'll be $45. And they just whip it out. And I'm like, oh, my, like, they just spent $45 on a potato. And it happens. it, It happens. These people love these potatoes and they spend money on these potatoes. So the ticket the ticket price, it goes up because they're always adding extra. Even though you think like, okay, I'm going to stay at that $20 potato, but they really is is loading it up and adding it up. So it's kind of like Chipotle where I start out with my potato and I kind of move through the line and, and decide what I want on it. Yes, basically it is. Um, but by being a counter service, you don't have it right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think about doing it that, that concept style way, but everything is basically grilled. I did think about doing it like almost a, um, doing a um, Chipotle style where you can pick your ingredients up and then basically mm-hmm. go and have it grilled and put on a potato and then present it to you. But yeah, it's it just basically was a little bit more cost for the build out to provide that state. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Are these restaurants busier during the day? Uh, is this, is this viewed more as a lunch item or are you, you know, crushing it during the dinner hour as well? Um, all our locations are, um, not open past 10 o'clock. So we're open from 11 to 10. Um, we have mall locations. That's the only location that closed at 10. So of course that's one of the busier locations. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So those are, so, but yeah, I, I believe that if I was to offer the late night, I think it would go amazing too, but just because of the labor costs and stuff like that, I just stick to Mm-hmm. And that, that has just worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is the labor? Uh, I mean, it's impossible to talk about concepts, large or small, without somehow getting around to the labor market. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, your concern for labor costs. So how many people does it take really to run a shift? A shift for you probably you have your um, your depend on which locations, but it can run as many as four um five. You have your um, your two cooks, a cashier, and a prep person and a manager. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, so it can for, but the way things are going now, even if it's not that many, they call crew members now. So nobody has an actual title now. Like oh, I'm they they have you know, you know they're crew members now. So everybody is kind of like cross trained. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody can do everybody else's job then. Yeah, everybody can do everybody's job now. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Well, that seems to be right on trend. Um, do you have 
uh, you know, do you have particular key people that can go from one unit to another unit if you need them to, or yes. as opening teams and stay to train? Yeah, that, that, that happens a lot. So, and that's the one thing I like um, about owning my own locations and stuff like that. I can be able to send different people from different locations to other locations. So that, that does happen a lot. In terms of management, um, are you trying to give pathways to your good employees to kind of feel like they can maybe work work up work their way up in the organization? Um, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah, I'm I'm always trying to like instilling in them like, hey, I'm growing fast, so I want you to be here. I need you to um, to latch on to learn because you can have your own store because I'm. I'm moving fast. So I want you to be able to not just accept this as a job, but it can be a career of yours because mm-hmm. um, I need those um, leaders in place to be able to help me um, move up sure. so that they can have these different stores. And I always tell my cooks that too, like, please learn these because maybe I can tap you on the shoulder to say, Hey, I'm giving you your own store. You know what I'm saying? And things like that. So I do try to instill in the people that this isn't just a job. It's let it be a career if you're looking for a career. Make if you want to, if you're a cook, make a career out of it. And I try to offer those um, incentives to my employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your food truck. We haven't talked about that. Um, and uh, where are you getting your business? I mean, you know, as you know, a lot of food trucks will work with uh, with brew pubs and they'll show up during their time. And then it, it, people drink the beer and they can order the food off the truck. Uh, yeah. um, talk about your mobile service. Uh, where, where how's that going and, and where are you where you're getting the most uh, getting the most traction? The, the mobile service is basically the um, the the, um, the food truck isn't as moving right now as it because of staffing issues mm-hmm. so but when we do we just do the pop-ups we do the um the private the private events and the uh-huh. those are kind of like the best right now mm-hmm. um summer now so we um have been invited to some festivals so we will be signing up for some festivals this year so um this is the first year of having the food truck so the food truck is is, is, is uh, kind of new so okay. we have been on um, the news and have did that. We get a lot of people from when we showed up at the news with the food truck, when they do their food truck Fridays. Right. I think I got another one on a major um, network here uh, where the, the um, station here, which is Fox 5 or something. And mm-hmm. so we'll be doing another one. So we always get people to come into the restaurants when they see the food truck, too. So it's a good marketing tool, you think? Yes, uh, it gets and to create some interest in the bricks and border. Yes, and the food truck looks exactly like the stores. It's uh-huh. the same wrap and everything. So you'll know, hey, that's the original steep potato right there, you know. So yeah, yeah. that's a great that's a great way of handling it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So okay, so what's next? That's always a good uh area that we like to get into. You've got you've you've got so many good principles that you've mentioned so far today. Uh, I really, really liked the consistency, the way you like to bounce to each store. I like the points that you made about your staff, encouraging them to feel more like a crew that's a team that's cross-trained, incentivizing them to become leaders. And then I remember earlier, you said, I'm always looking for the next opportunity. I drive around and I constantly look for second-gen locations. So even though you've got this current issue that I know is taking a lot of time to get the name right, Mm -hmm. do you have some ideas of what's next, what you're going to be doing after that? and how long it's going to take to maybe accomplish what's next. 
Um, well, I, I I put up a Facebook post the other day, and I it said Mario, do not do anything else <laughs> because I don't want to. I'm so busy right now because I have um, two clubs I'm working on now. After that, which is event center and a club, and so I'm I'm building those out also. So that's the the next step for me as far as doing something else besides the um, the restaurants. So um, I tapped into that market and it has been a good market for me. The club I've had for like the last two years and um, that has been a, a good market. So I wanted to do something. So it's basically like almost bar, bar food style and it doesn't, um, I wanted to do something to do besides the potato. So the nightlife here is like always on. So event centers is the, is, is one of the next, next best thing here. So event center and club, these are two separate things that you're doing? Well, the events, um, the event centers because space here, because you can always rent them out for a lot of different things here in Atlanta. Atlanta is like the city that don't sleep right now. So you got after hours, you have, you know, they, they party all night here. So it's mm -hmm. the market for nightlife is amazing here. Mm -hmm. Trying to tap into that market. So, um, the sleep potato kind of like is on hold right now because I have the five locations and the food truck. Um, so right now I'm kind of like at a heart right now and just trying to maintain everything so that everything can run smoothly and consistent and not try to get too, too big right now. Every smart operator we've spoken to in the last few years, um, particularly young smart operators have just a good common sense about it, how to go, you know, that's their, that's the way they do things. And, you know, you yeah. grow at the right time. You grow when it's the right time. Yeah. You don't put yourself on schedule. You want to keep it, have quality with what you have. And when the next opportunity comes up, you'll know it. And that's when you move forward. And, and that's true because like, say yesterday I was at the mall and it was a mall where, um, of course, you know, a lot of restaurants are going down. It was a mall where nobody, where it was filled up. I wanted to be in this mall and, now there are two spaces available. So here I go. I'm in the mall. And that's what the, was the note to myself. Mario, nothing else. You know what I'm saying? Because now I see that and I'm like, oh, my God. So if that comes, then I know that that's the opportunity. So I kind of like you said, I take the opportunity when it presents itself. And no mm -hmm. yeah, so. I, yeah, I, but, I, you know, you have matured um, that, som it, it, that sometimes takes operators a long time to get to. And, and that's that you can only really expand as well as you can operate. Yes. So knowing that I need to slow down because maybe I don't have the time or slow down, I don't have the key people. Yeah. That's a very good way of looking at managing your business. Uh, we have worked with many people in the past that have expanded for other purposes just because the sites were good or because they raised the funds. Mm -hmm. And then they learned later that we've got operational challenges. We don't have the right people or we have poor systems and it may have just been because we stretched ourselves too quick. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're going to be avoiding that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, in my, in my hiccups and, and, and up and down, those, some of those issues have happened to me. Like say for instance, the, um, the location on, and um, the Candler road location, uh, we had a, a kind of like a setback with that location because of staffing issues and, and partnership issues and things like that or whatever. So, you know, I've been through everything. So, it it, it it has happened. And so those are the things that, that do pump my brakes a lot because uh -huh. I want those things to keep happening. 
So everything hasn't been hunky dory. So I have learned a lot of lessons from everything that I've went through. Yeah, there's no easy way. Yeah, so there's no easy way, especially the restaurants and they are up today and gone tomorrow. I get a, a, a lot of notes like, dang, this restaurant closed. And you would think that they were like very um, successful restaurants. Even like a lot of chain restaurants are not even there no more. You know, you mm -hmm. don't have McDonald's that where they used to always be that, you know, they're there anymore. And I'm like, you would never think of McDonald's a shutdown, but yeah. you, so you have those. So I'm, I'm blessed and grateful to be um, operating in a good space right now. Mm -hmm. That's great. How have you determined uh, the network of support around you? How have you found things that you need to help you be a good first-time operator? I mean, say like accounting principles, uh, you know, finance planning, people to help with marketing and promotion. I'm I'm always interested in hearing that from say first-time restaurant operators because you simply can't do it all. Yeah, and you know, um, I heard this. It's a um, a big restaurant here called um, um, Slutty Vegan, which is a big um, concept here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. They, uh, yeah. they the, the founder of that was uh, a key speaker at the National Restaurant Association show. Yeah. Yeah, she's 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 got a lot of uh, a lot of credibility out there, doesn't she? Yeah. And so Pinky Cole. And so yeah. a lot of things and to ask that question. She spit a lot of um, uh, knowledge and, and gems and she's always throwing them out there and stuff like that and one thing that is stuck with her is because like say for instance i used to be in the restaurant i used to work the restaurant and she's she said a lot of times as business owners that we think that we always have to be involved in the restaurant all the time but you got to allow yourself to come out of the restaurant and run the business so that the 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 the, the restaurant can become a business because when you in it and, and and i have been in that space to be in it you can't see anything else if i would have still been in the restaurant i probably would have been at my first restaurant but when i decided to come out of the restaurant and not work in the restaurant and run it as a business then that's when it become the work for me and, and that and and that you know i mean that's such a key principle you're basically talking about how mcdonald's got as big as they got because yeah. ray Kroc said i got to work on the business not in the business yes and I actually love I don't I, I, I love the, um, the 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 version of that um, movie. Which oh, was, yeah. Yeah. That, there was there's education there. huh? I, I of course, you're a nicer that. guy than Ray Kroc, I think. Yeah. Nothing I against Ray, but <laughs> yeah, it always did a lot. Somebody, and you know what the biggest thing is, is that what I love about the movie, because somebody like you said, what even happened to me is that they they want your concept. They They want that. People want that. They want that. And I remember when they asked him and they said, what, why did you want it? And he said, because it was the name. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if you've ever seen that movie. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. It's great. He said, it's the name. He said, why did you want this? And he said, it was the name. It seemed mm -hmm. America, like America, you know. Uh -huh. And so, but like I said, those are, are key factors. And, and you, you do have to put a team in place, marketing people and, and things like that, setting up a office and stuff like that so now i'm in a process of looking for assistant for me another one because you know they come um they come and go because a lot <laughs> of times they can't take the the pressure a lot of times because they can't you know they kind of like get a little i guess which get in their feelings and you just really just trying to run your business and stuff like that and i think they take a lot of things personal so i done went through a few of those so <laughs> that's where i'm at now so Got it. And my son actually helps out. Um, I have an older son that he's not in the business, but he works a lot on the back end of mm -hmm. the 
for me and stuff. So then, like you said, hiring a PR person. So now I'm at the at, at the point now where I've been doing so many things. Now I hired a PR person, and so that's how I'm able to be here now because I'm, I, I need that exposure now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here, and I appreciate this um, conversation with you guys. How can people find you? What's what's the website so people can learn more about you and your concept? The um, the website is www.originalsleepypotato.com. Um, you can also catch us on Instagram at Original Sleepy Potato. Excellent. I think everybody needs to do that. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. You're you're entertaining and uh, and enlightening, and I just I just love it. I'm so happy that that contract of yours got canceled. Yes. And that, that barber shop that you always hung out at happened yes. to be right next to it. <laughs> You're a wonderful addition to the to the independent restaurant world. Yeah, my my cousin, not to um, keep going, but my cousin actually had we had a, we got a family group chat, and he said, "Hey, I lost my um, job of twenty years," and and I was like, "Wow, what an amazing time to start over and and to get into his passion or whatever." And this is the perfect timing for him to do something else. You know, what I'm saying, don't look at that because I always think that every like. When you have stuff like that, it, it, it causes you to go in a different direction. When those things happen, and that was the direction that I went in. And I always call it, I always say that the restaurant industry was my saving grace because I did some other things or whatever. But I always say that the restaurant industry was my saving grace. And it's something that I'm passionate about and that I do love to do. Well, you just keep on doing it. This has been wonderful. Thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to spend uh, and, and sharing all of your uh, experiences and pearls of wisdom. We've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care, Mario. Hey, everybody. Hope you can catch up with us real soon on another Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.